<laughs> Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. The Talking Tide podcast is available to you wherever you prefer to get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. You can catch us as well live on YouTube, live on Facebook. We've got recordings in those locales online as well. You can get Talking Tide just about any way you want. Our web host, of course, megaphone.fm. The Twitter feed, talking underscore tide. You can get links to all our pods as soon as they drop right there on the Twitter feed. Want to quickly thank our sponsors, North River Dental Associates, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and DraftKings. More on them a little bit later in the program, though. Travis, we begin with a recap of Media Day. That was just uh, uh, not even, I guess, 10 hours ago, roughly. Uh, Nick Saban and his coordinators, Pete Golding, on the defensive side of the ball. Bill O'Brien on offense back each uh, for another year. Of course, Golden's been around for, for a while. O'Brien, uh, just year two. But uh, uh, some interesting comments from them. I got to tell you, Travis, though, we'll start it this way. As, as a guy who's been gone nine years, and this having been my first uh, media day, coverage since 2012 uh i gotta say it's a little bit of a letdown because the last time i went to last time they had fan day and media day for me i got to see ryan anderson lay chris black out on <laughs> yeah. and uh uh and a full-on practice that was really more or less uh almost as valuable as a reporter as as an a-day uh, no you're uh, right you 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 don't like it right now for the uh, the media and the fans because you had the autograph opportunities, the fan day opportunity, but they got this COVID on. <laughs> Nick's got to do for him and his. So uh, no oh, more fan wow. day, no <laughs> no more uh, open practice. You're right. I you know I love that open practice that Sunday. And and look, it was I think mostly. Maybe they were in shells by that point. Maybe not, but you're right. Just kind of getting to see guys out there and maybe how they came back from the summer and summer workouts and spring drills and things like that. Very, very valuable resource. I agree. No doubt. At any rate, though, today it was just Nick Sayo. I'll tell you, talking to uh, any number of players in the end zone prior to that practice, too, was, was certainly uh, enjoyable as well. That's another thing that's you're on a shot clock. Those yeah. interviews, that was a tight shot clock. You know, yes. better get them in quick. Right before that team photo. They had to hustle yeah. them off for that team photo uh, thereby. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Nick Saban and his coordinators, at any rate, did have some interesting things to say today. Nick Saban, Travis, uh, a little more forthcoming details-wise with the injury situation uh, with Alabama than he was a couple days ago. Cameron Latou. Uh, with a minor injury, looks like he's going to be out a couple of weeks. He's, of course, uh, uh, preseason second team, all SEC tight end, uh, as voted by the media who were at SEC Media Days. Eight touchdown catches for him last year. Uh, he'll be missing most of camp. Sounds like uh, as, as though he's, at least for now, uh, on track uh, to be back uh, to begin the season anyway. Defensive lineman Isaiah Hastings, Elijah Pritchett, an offensive lineman, torn pec muscle uh, in the weight room for Pritchett. 
Aaron Anderson out a few weeks with a knee issue as well. Defensive back are a little a shoulder issue out for a couple weeks. Saban also making brief mention of uh, Tyler Harrell, the wide receiver from Louisville, practicing but not full speed uh, at this point. So gives you a little bit of an idea of what things look injury-wise. Mostly youngsters there, Travis, mo- most, mostly freshmen. Yeah, that's what stood out. Some guys that maybe at some areas where you had some questions about depth going into fall camp. You know, no one expected Elijah Pritchett to come in and win one of those tackle jobs, but apparently he's had a very good offseason, up over 300 pounds, so physically more equipped to be able to come in and compete. Maybe he is a guy or will still be a guy that you can get some depth help from Aaron Anderson in that mix in the slot to go along with Christian Leary and uh, JoJo Earl. So that's a fierce competition. Then you add um, some freshmen that also have some dynamic playmaking ability uh, at that position. Isaiah Bond comes to mind pretty quickly there. And, um, you know, and kind of the trickle-down effect that it could have on depth at some of those areas. But for all of the the news, I guess you could say, from an injury perspective – it didn't sound like Alabama came out of the first two practices of fall camp with its national championship hopes dented or damaged in any type of way. No, no, definitely not. It's it's the it's those season enders that, that kill you, right? It's the yeah. season enders where uh, it's just an awful situation, both for player and team, depending on uh, depending on the situation. Uh, but uh, look, every team in the country has got a small handful of injuries, at least at this point in the season. A lot of this is cleanup stuff from from surgeries, maybe, uh, and and maybe some finishing rehab. Uh, but uh, those guys, uh, apparently most of them anyway, will be back uh, at some point before the season begins. Pritchett, you don't know about a torn pec muscle is generally yeah that one raises your eyebrows yeah and and, and you don't know when it happened either right you don't know if it happened a week ago said a little while back is what Saban said so maybe it was earlier in the summer and you know there's different degrees obviously of pec tears and muscle tears some can be I think a month to two months some can be three to four months or more you know but you're right when you hear that type of injury, are you here? We had to get it fixed. Yeah. That perks up the ears a little bit. Speaking of perking up the ears, what else from around media day perked your ears, Travis, from these coordinators, Golding and O'Brien? Yeah, you know, I thought it was interesting. Golding was asked about his off the field issue uh, involving his DUI arrest. And I thought he responded about the way you would expect. So I didn't really find anything too newsy about that um you know I thought he seemed like uh, a pretty happy guy which he should be when you look at this returning defense and not just that but you know the competition that they continue to have very healthy competitions really in every area of this defense and then I think like a lot of folks uh you were interested in what he had to say about Jaheim Otis because Nick, when asked about Otis and the weight loss and, you know, those type of things, he, he really didn't he really didn't highlight or specify Otis in his response. Whereas a couple of different points in Golding's press conference, he brought up Otis, who he did recruit in Mississippi out of high school. And um, but the the comment about him being able to beat one on ones. Uh, already at this stage in his career. I thought that was pretty noteworthy. 
Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think you popped a tweet on that, as a matter of fact, yeah. when that came out of Golding's mouth. And, and uh, yeah, uh, th they need somebody on the interior to push the pocket. We've talked about this. Jamil Burroughs had a really nice A-day. Maybe he's that guy. They're, they need to find somebody to kind of fill Phil Mathis's shoes if they can. Maybe it's Burroughs. Uh, maybe it's somebody else. Maybe Otis uh, gives them a, a chance to give them something in there. Who, who knows? But uh, definitely, if you've got a guy who's 340 pounds, uh, yeah. who's beating people in 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 one on one, especially if it's a, if it's a pass pro situation, that uh, that's the kind of thing that that can change a defensive line in a way that edge pressure can't. And context is important. To be clear. Uh, and I thought the response from Golding was interesting from a couple of different ways of viewing it through that lens. Um, he did mention before he got around to Otis in that answer to the question about interior pass rush, he did mention Burroughs first. He mentioned Byron Young. He mentioned DJ Dale. And then he got to Otis. Right. But still, it's what he said. And in sort of unsolicited fashion, it wasn't specific, the question, to Otis. Otis was included in that group. Right. So I, I think that made it certainly something that you, you had to consider as well. The cornerback position, a topic as well. Uh, Nick Saban brought that up unprompted at SEC Media Days a couple of weeks back. And uh, it came up again with Saban and Golding today. Terry and Arnold. Uh, apparently is is looking good in practice. Alabama needs some guys to develop depth-wise at that spot. There's no question about it. Uh, they've got a couple of experienced guys they can lean on uh, with McKinstry and Ricks. Uh, but how things shake out, look, you can't have enough corners. You really nope. can't. It's, all, it's almost like running back. Look at last year. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Arnold won. Saban also mentions it, mentioning Travis uh, Jaquez Robinson from our old stomping grounds. Of Gateway Santa Conference, Wood stand up. Yes. Gateway Conference, baby. <laughs> you don't mess around with the Gateway Conference. No. no. No, but you're right. I mean, I've made the analogy or thrown the scenario of 2018 out there when Alabama had three corners in competition. Patrick Sertan was a true freshman that season. And you went into the opener against Louisville with Savion Smith and Trayvon Diggs as your corners. Well, Savion gave up, what, the 85-yarder or whatever it was to Metcalf or A.J. Brown, one of those two yeah. um, in Oxford to open that game uh, in week three. And was there, and Vaught-Hemingway went nuts. Now, Alabama went on to score 62 straight and win that game <laughs> by 55, but – that didn't matter to Nick Saban because by about halftime, Patrick Sertan was in there at that corner opposite Trayvon Diggs. But yeah. it ultimately proved important to have more than just two guys because Diggs went out in week six at Arkansas. Um, and even with Savion back in there uh, to go along with Patrick Sertan, by the time Alabama got to Clemson in that national championship matchup with Trevor Lawrence, they didn't get enough pass rush in that game. I understand all that. But you still had the sense they were at least a corner short. And that's before you even talk about the star position that season. So you're right. Never, ever enough corners. Quality corners. 
What'd you make of Saban's remark about Brian Branch, a, a guy they could lean on at cornerback if they needed? Yeah, practicing him some there, a versatile guy. He's he's played a lot of spots since he's gotten out. Poor there. man's Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. You know, I mean, Minka's look. That's the bar uh, when you talk about utility DBs, right? At Alabama, you, safety, corner, star, anywhere you want to play Minka, he wasn't just a quality option. He was an elite option anywhere in the secondary. Brian Branch kind of been that guy for a couple of years now and nobody really talks about him. I mean, we still see Malachi Moore on the preseason, all sec teams. Mm-hmm. And it's Brian Branch. Who's the starter at star and has been for more than a season now. So, yeah. and Malachi is a, a really good player. And, and that's probably as much as anything kind of tells you the great situation they're in. Um, at star. Uh, but no, Brian branch is just Brian branch. One of those guys, nobody's going to talk about, and then he'll go early rounds of a, of an NFL draft, play 10 years in the league and be like, man, why didn't anybody talk about Brian branch? You know, Mm -hmm. when he was at Alabama, that's the way I see it. Inside linebacker, a topic in media today, today as well, uh, with Pete Golding, Travis, uh, and in particular, the spot next to Henry Toa Toa. Uh, Jalen Moody, Deontay Lawson, a couple guys vying for that spot. Moody, of course, is, has been around an awful long time. I think this is year six for him now uh, in the program. So fairly blunt analysis from Golding, frankly, uh, Travis, on Jalen Moody in terms of a lack of consistency that's held him back at times. He did say that Moody is, is, is moving in the right direction and getting there. Uh, but wasn't shy to say that that, that the problem with, with Moody's inability to anchor uh, a starting role to this point anyway is consistency where one day he makes the play and the next day maybe he doesn't in practice, I mean. Yeah, and and there again is the, the luxury that Golding has there with a young guy like Deontay Lawson that a lot of places this year would be a starting inside linebacker. I believe that to be the case too. And then Jihad Campbell comes in, you know, he mentioned Ian Jackson. I thought that was very interesting because there's so many guys in that mix at inside linebacker. You kind of wonder what's real, what isn't in terms of suspects versus prospects, right? For playing time, legitimate rotational spots. So I found that interesting, but no, I don't think Jalen Moody can take anything for granted. And you pull for a guy like Jalen because he has truly bided his time. And this is his opportunity, but Deontay Lawson isn't going to make it easy. And some of these other guys that they've accumulated uh, at the inside linebacker positions. Best players are going to play. That's yeah. what Saban said today. So it doesn't <laughs> matter. Doesn't matter. Excuse he me. said, well, see, we're going to take our best running back and he's <laughs> going to play a lot. And then our <laughs> second best running back. Well, then he'll come in. <laughs> So oh, revealing. Nick. Oh, so Nick. revealing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network moves on. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors. And then after that, we're going to be talking about Bill O'Brien's comments uh, on the offensive side of the ball for the Crimson Tide. We're going to start, though, telling you a little bit more about North River Dental Associates and that great staff at dental hygienists that Dr. Jack Smalley has right over there in Fairfax Park. All kinds of dental work, whatever you might need, whether it's porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, 
laser dentistry. They've got the endodontics, the dentures, the dental implants, oral surgery. They do it all at North River Dental. A routine cleaning, they're going to get you in and out of there in an, under an hour, and that includes your weight. It's door-to-door, -door, typically. Uh, really uh, fast-paced, but also a high-quality job when it comes to getting the teeth clean. I was just in there myself a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, as always, they treated me great. Teeth whitening services, very popular. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments at North River Dental. Uh, if you want to get those facial features tightened up, give North River Dental a call. You can reach them at 752-3506 or make an appointment online at NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section up Tuscaloosa, just about 15 years old out there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, headed towards year 16 in Tuscaloosa. And I know the staff led by Heather Ryer uh, can't thank the great people at Tuscaloosa and really beyond for their uh, patronage there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. You folks have made Peterbrook what it is today, and that is a staple of that Indian Hills community. Great opportunities for you to get ready for the football season. You saw some of the Alabama theme treats. They got those ready to go for you there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. As always, the chocolate popcorn is always a great choice. They've got the gelato that's sort of the secret weapon there. Gelato case with a wide variety of great flavors for you there. The Italian ice cream gelato at Peterbrook Chocolatier. You can't go wrong with it. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. The action never ending at the DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer with tons of ways to bet all your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Right now with the DraftKings Sportsbook, they're giving away new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. You make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you'll get one other shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and plenty more. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Get that DraftKings Fantasy app. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free millions of prizes all football season long this fall with the DraftKings Sportsbook. TPPN, once again. Uh, your promo code. That'll certainly help us out here at Talking Tide. Travis will move forward and, and talk a little offense now. Bill O'Brien uh, taking the podium today, of course, as well. Really asked about every aspect of the offense from top to bottom. I want to know what he thought about the offense tackles. Uh, asked him about that myself. Uh, the answer I got, as as one would probably expect, was maybe a little vague, right? Not, not too specific about the tackle competition and where it stands and granted they are just a couple of practices in so things really haven't unfolded yet uh but definitely travis especially with emil ekior and darian dalcourt back from injury the interior of the offensive line seems to be in a lot better shape certainly experience wise if nothing else than those tackle spots yeah there's unknowns although we do know tyler steen the vanderbilt transfer has um a dozen and a half or so starts in the SEC. So that's, there's some comfort in that. And there, 
very real reason why he's at Alabama today. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, you know, J.C. Latham, you continue to think that perhaps this is that point where he asserts himself, uh, maybe at that right tackle position, maybe Steen at left tackle. But you really want Kendall Randolph to get a legitimate shot to win one of those spots because he has been the consummate team guy throughout his career, similar to Jalen Moody. Um, need him to play tight end. He's made 13 starts at tight end. Need him to pretty much be just a blocker. The guy doesn't have a career reception yet as a tight end. So, you know, he's done everything asked of him. But, you know, there's also the other side in which if Steen and Latham win those jobs, it's nice to have that utility guy in Randolph, especially right now um, with Latou out and you consider that possibility maybe more in season than right now. It's not as pressing right now because it's an opportunity actually to get younger guys and newer guys, some reps there at tight end with, with cam out. But uh, again, just big picture scenarios that you think about and even depth at offensive tackle, even if he doesn't win one of those jobs, Chase. Um, But no, there's, it seems like there's still a ways to go. Uh, But I think we've talked about this. and we know that in years past, Saban has had no problem letting the offensive line situation play out well into fall camp, even up until game week. But I think it would really behoove this group uh, to try to identify its best five. And I'm sure that's the, the hope. Uh, the, the sooner that can happen, I think that's the better for, for this particular group, especially after the performance and all the injuries from a year ago. You bring up Cam Latou, Travis, and that's a, a segue into O'Brien's comments on Robbie Utes, uh, the tight end, who's going to be getting a little bit more of a practice opportunity, obviously, in Latou's absence. He's a little bit more of an H-back type, I think, you know, not not the – a little bit, maybe more of the classic tight end uh, than uh, a receiving threat that you can kind of drop into the slot. But, look – if, if you're going to run the ball the way Nick Saban wants to, and we know as as much as Alabama is going to be throwing it with a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, Saban wants it to start with the ground game. And to and that means you need that Y tight end, a hand-in-the-ground mm-hmm. type guy, H-back, whatever it's going to be, uh, who can either cave in the edge or maybe reach the second level, you know, and 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 get a linebacker in, in an H back role. Yeah, ideally they like all those guys to be able to do all those things. But you're right. I mean, measurables, body types, skill sets. More often than not, there's one of those areas where a guy's just a better fit. Now they brought in Miles Kitzelman, the junior college transfer. If you watch his tape. He looks like that classic Y. He looks like that hand in the ground, inline tight end. So it could be that even with Latou out, they're pairing Kitzelman already with Oots, and perhaps Kitzelman's maybe more that inline guy, and that frees up. Uh, you know, I think Oots can be an inline guy. Don't get me wrong, but he can also be that off the ball option. Now, do I think he's you know, Jalil Billingsley in 2020 as a receiver? No, you're not going to take advantage of matchups in that way with him. Uh, but he can do some things off the ball to go along with the inline responsibilities to to be a viable candidate. 
Interesting quote from O'Brien to Travis, and this had nothing to do with personnel, uh, but I thought this just grabbed me as much as anything he said. You don't have as many coaching friends in the business as you think you do <laughs> when you get fired. That kind, you know, reading between those lines, that, that kind of spoke to me like O'Brien maybe had been looking at least initially to stay in the NFL uh, and, and uh, after his firing from the Houston Texans. Maybe not. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Uh, but that was that was an interesting comment. Well, that thing in Houston, man, when you think back on it, it was a mess there yeah. at the end. And you know, I think O'Brien, maybe more so from a personnel perspective, was feeling a lot of the uh, shrapnel from that blow up. But as far as coaching quarterbacks and coordinating an offense, I, I was kind of surprised that maybe, maybe he didn't have a decent list of suitors there. Um, maybe he's got a reputation in some circles that at the end, perhaps he wasn't as easy to work with. I didn't detect any of that from his comments today. Um, I thought it was interesting that he was essentially asked today, why the hell are you still here? Right. And he said he made a commitment to Nick Saban. So did he make a two-year? Did Nick ask that from him? Give me two years. Right. Maybe right. that's the way it went. And maybe, look, if the Dallas Cowboys had come to Bill O'Brien in the offseason and offered him the head coaching job, yeah. we can talk commitment and all that, all we want. He's, he's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. There's probably some of that in all this, too. Uh, but I thought his comments in general were pretty much what you would hear from an NFL head coach. That's what I. That's that's what it sounded like to me. And it, and he was informative, but he was also very, very sure to stick to the organizational message and keep the the focus on his his areas of responsibility. Like I know, I think you asked or someone asked about the differences in the college game right. since he was a head coach. He didn't even really want to go there on that without yeah. offering up a clear, concise, I'm the offensive coordinator. That's more of a Nick question. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's very respectful and appreciative, I think, in some ways of the opportunity he has and who he works for. Um, I, I would have been interested to hear what his thoughts were on the offensive line coaching change. Because he and Marone are tight. Yeah. Yes, but they are. Maybe they we'll get a package deal. Pretty much. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure, but I say that, and I'm sure even in that, he would have gotten into Eric Wolford and how great Wolford's been. And, you know, we all understand the, the way the game is. You know what I mean? That, yeah. That's that. I can tell you what the answer would have been. I think, yeah. And another question, as part of another question, I think he did tip his his cap Wolford's way, right? Uh, and so he, if, if he would have gotten a specific question about Doug, yeah, I, I think he would have blown right by that aspect and kept it on football offense, where we're what we're doing right now. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Had a lot of fun. We're going to reconvene next Sunday night, by which time Alabama will have its first scrimmage of fall camp in the books. So we'll be recapping that and more. So for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.